At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating our Billington Vermont 105.9 The Radiator. Good evening. It is The Rocket Shop. I'm your host, Tom Proctor, and with you tonight is Eastern Mountain Time. Hello. Hello. Welcome back into the studio. When's the last time you were here? Um, I would hope that you would know. Uh, <laughs> I think. I'm just kidding. Two, three, four years ago. I don't know. All melts into one at this point. Was it, was it pre? I think it was pre-COVID, yeah. I want to. Was it? Uh, it's been a while, then. Okay, well, know. we'll it's say... Been a minute. It's so good to be back. I'm yeah. so happy to I'm be so here. I'm so glad you're back in. Uh, doing a bit of research on you, and uh, I can't believe how prolific you've been over these years, actually. I would love to talk to you a little bit oh, about that in a minute. You. Sure doesn't feel that way, but that's very nice <laughs> to hear. Uh, well, we like kicking off with a song, so what have you got for us? Uh, I'm going to kick it off with a song called More Buses and Trains, which is the the titular song from my new album, which is uh, coincidentally also called More Buses and Trains. (laughs) Uh, And it goes like this. Some letters, some bags, 
some better And this time I'll listen opening us up with more buses and trains from the fifth full-length album. Is that right? Yeah, apparently, (laughs) according to your bio, you're the expert on this one. Uh, So that was released in April. Um, So tell us a little bit about how this album came together. Was this the first post-COVID album? This was the one that was really made during COVID. Uh, Most of it remote. I made this with my friend Willoughby Morse who I've worked with off and on for uh, probably five or six years, and we're just good old friends. And yeah, uh, we started uh, this one just kind of, I would record demos and send them, and Willoughby would kind of give me notes and help me finish writing the songs and kind of served as a producer. And we just kind of pieced it together once we got my stuff kind of worked out. Uh, I would, you know, send them guitar tracks and they would mix things and add stuff to it and send it back to me. Uh, and we took our time. We It took us over a year to do this one, which is longer than I've ever taken to make an album. Because normally on other ones, I'm paying for studio time and a band and everything. And we got to get in there and get it done. But this one, because of the nature of the world, while we were doing it, we decided to take it really slowly uh there were probably you know weeks that would pass where we didn't even neither one of us touched it um and then towards the end of lockdown when we were able to get back together we had some like in-person sessions uh here and in albany and uh yeah then we put it out uh, on cassette and digitally back in april uh does the album itself have kind of um I don't know, filter of COVID is the, the, the tracks themselves kind of relating to that uh, feeling of maybe loneliness or isolation that you were feeling. I don't know if you were, maybe you weren't. Uh, <laughs> maybe the only one out there that felt very connected and together with everyone. Um, does it have that kind of reference to it subtly or overtly? I think the, the way that in, for me it tied mostly in with COVID was that the songs were written really quietly because I was writing them mostly in my apartment, knowing that I had neighbors who were also locked down and I was trying to be respectful uh, while also trying to, you know, stay alive (laughs) Um, and do what I love to do. So these songs were written very softly and the ones, some of them got built up, but a lot of them stayed kind of these mellow reflect reflection kind of songs. Um, and I don't know if I would say there's a loneliness to them so much as a stillness and like an acceptance uh, where uh, it's hard to say what of that was COVID and what of that was just getting older a little bit. But a lot of these songs are just kind of about settling into life uh, and and trying as best as I can to accept, accept it and uh, maybe a- appreciate and forgive myself for my past 
that's in there too. That's a long answer. Sounds like someone's been going to therapy. <laughs> uh, I did a, a bunch of different kinds of therapy during <laughs> during lockdown, <laughs> and there was so much time for reading of therapy themed books. Mm. So yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever way you, you do, I'm sure it's all good. Um, have you seen a kind of an evolution? I think five albums is a decent amount of albums to really not just find your own voice, but also track kind of where you are going musically. Is is that something you've noticed? Have you ever listened back to album one or kind of look back at your older records and kind of see where you've gone? Um... Yeah, I, I I do a good amount of looking back on I do it a lot because oftentimes I'm just trying to put together set lists and I can't always remember all of them. So I'll put on an old album just to try to jog my memory and see those old songs and see if I can still pull them off. But I can certainly read uh, the stages of like autobiography in them. And I have a feeling they're fairly obvious also. Um, like there's... I mean, the first one was just figuring it out uh, by myself. The second one was figuring it out with a band, and it sounds pretty bad because we just got... I did, I'd never led a band before, and I didn't know how to do that, but we wanted to make an album, so we made a, a real sloppy kind of alt-country album. Um, and then there's like a kind of heavy drinking country album, uh, and... Um, yeah, and then it st starts to bleed slowly into this old man territory. This, like, uh, I was calling this new one, like, my rocking chair album. Mm. These are my looking back and beyond, just being like, what a, what a time those other albums were. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting into your John Prine era. Yeah, that's a nice way to put yeah. it. That means I'm just hitting my stride. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel that the, the song is kind of coming more frequently? Are you finding it easier to write? Um, do you feel like you found your voice or do you feel like you got a lot left to explore? There might be like a, you know, Bob Dylan in his 12th album, kind of let's let's go Christian on this one kind of thing left within you. Yeah, gosh, the pandemic was such a ripe time to discover like 80s Bob Dylan albums. <laughs> and I hope that phase is coming. I don't know. Writing songs hasn't gotten easier. If anything, it's gotten a little harder. Uh and maybe that's just me being a harsher critic, or I think it's also just wanting to say a little bit more than, uh, you know, like a recent breakup. That's, I, I got a lot of mileage out of young heartbreak and bad decisions and addiction and all these things. Like I, I really ran it into the ground and those songs came really fast. Uh, but getting out of that and slowing down and kind of mellowing out has made it a little harder to write songs. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if it's a stride, but I think with this, this Eastern Mountain Time album, More Buses and Trains, it might be the last one for a little bit. It kind of felt to me like a culmination of this story I was kind of just telling. Um, and now I, I really, I just want to be in a rock band <laughs> so bad. I've done apparently five albums of like this and I like it. I like these folky country songs a lot, and uh, I think I I, I want to maybe pause some of the some of that John Prine and get into some of that 
loose like 80s Dylan where like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers yeah. are the backing band and they're just having a great time. It's really leaning into your 40s and 50s while acting like a 23 year old. Yeah, and not even caring if it looks cool anymore. <laughs> My wife thinks I'm cool. <laughs> That's all that matters, genuinely. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I'll, I think it'll be a, a a gear switch hopefully soon. What was the? Was it kind of you wake up one morning you're like, all right, enough of this this slow melodic uh, singer songwriter folk stuff. I'm you, you stuck on an eighties Dylan song. You're like, this is who I want to be, or is this been kind of a gradual process where you're like, actually, I was playing a new six album, but I'm <laughs> not really in it anymore. Uh, a little bit of both, I think. It was a, a kind of around the pandemic. I sort of uh, felt like with the these last uh, this last album, there was like one more thing I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to kind of write this final letter. Uh, so it had been almost uh, the new ideas were marinating kind of while these songs were getting written, and know if i'm like sick of it or anything a big part of it is that eastern mountain time has never been like a consistent band with a consistent lineup of people it's sometimes me solo uh bands have come and gone over the years and i've gotten really bored teaching new people these same songs mm. uh which is a good problem to have. A lot of people were willing to spend some time learning these songs, and I'm so grateful for all the people that did that and who have sat in with me over the years. Um, but I just want a band where, like, everyone knows the songs. I don't got to teach anyone those songs. They helped write them. Uh, I think that's, like, kind of the main motivation to get out of this gear. I'll probably keep on doing some solo Eastern Mountain Time things here and there. Uh, but focusing more of the the forward energy on hopefully a more collaborative and loud project. It sounds like you've kind of already got maybe people in mind, songs in mind, a vision in mind for this new iteration of Easter Mountain Time. If it would even be called that, might be called something completely different. Um, is that the case, or is this, is this still just kind of all up in your head and you've yet to kind of put the pieces together? Um... So it won't be called Eastern Mountain Time. And uh, I have, I've, I've been working, my friend Jim Osborne, who I've played music with over the years, uh, he's got a project called Siberian Summer. Uh, he used to play in this great band, uh, Fridge in the Spins, uh, that I always loved. And we've played together off and on over the years. And he helped me make this last one. Uh, he was one of the my pod people, uh, which was delightful, and we had a lot of fun working on these songs together. But he's uh, he's like a shredder at heart, and he wants to. He's like a bit of a, a driving force. Uh, so I think the two of us are gonna hopefully soon figure out how to start a band in our thirties when uh, when no one has any free time anymore. <laughs> So we've been, I think we're constantly trying to psych each other up and trying to hang on to those little scraps of songs that might be something. Uh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, but yeah, I think me and Jim are going to have something soon. All right. Well, you know, you're, we're, you're always welcome here as soon as you kind of get that together. And, oh, thank you. And, and figure out, you know, all we ask for is four songs. So we're going to blow have the roof that, off this place. Bring it in. <laughs> 
Uh, well, we'd love to hear another one of these amounts of time before it goes to the... Before it implodes. The, 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 the band <laughs> graveyard. Um, yeah, I'd love to play another one. Uh, I'm going to do one called Sick Again, which is also off the new record. Um, and yeah, Sick Again is kind of based off uh, this... It's kind of like an AA tenet. Uh, I'm not an AA person myself, but uh, they say you're only as sick as your secrets, which I just really like a lot uh, for just life in general. So this one's kind of about some of that. Yes, I love 
they take off in like those fire engines shake my house I broke the law and now I time there with sick again from again the one from the latest album more buses and trains and uh yeah beautiful song by the way oh thank you um as the latest album came out in april um and you are someone who does like a little bit of a tour at least I don't know, maybe tour, but you at least gigged a lot around New England. Uh-huh. Did you kind of pair the release with with any kind of uh, events around New England or Vermont? Uh, not really. No. I we did. Uh, so we had like a release show, which was followed pretty quickly by Waking Windows, which we uh, played with a full band this year, doing a lot of these songs. Um been taking it real easy lately i think uh later this month i'll be going down to do a show in portsmouth new hampshire uh and then you know i got some other shows around town and things uh yeah i took it this this really is i I mean it's the rocking chair i'm not going (laughs) i ain't going anywhere i got nothing to sell anyone anymore (laughs) pop for the cassette (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Apart from a cassette, which, yeah, buy my cassette. <laughs> uh, is there a, a sense of freedom uh, in the fact that you have got five albums out? You've been going on for a decade plus at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, is there a sense of freedom of not having to kind of go health or whatever and trying to sell stuff to people and trying to get as many gigs as possible, kind of taking it as and when? Yeah, this has been like a huge thing for me, uh, which again was uh, I really uh, uh, helped out by the the forced kind of convalescence of of the pandemic. Um, I spent, I mean, I started writing songs when I was about thirteen, and uh, various projects, and then Eastern Mountain Time. This project started a little over a decade ago. And I spent most of it like really wanting uh, something, validation, money. I wanted it to be my job so bad. Uh, I wanted, uh, I don't know, I wanted people to care so, so much and realized that was making me really miserable uh, to want something so bad that was just... uh, out of my control and also like a little bit vapid. Like it's kind of not actually even what I want. You know, it's just something uh, that I uh, was a little bit obsessed with from a really young age. 
And with this album, it was kind of the first time I was writing really for myself. Uh, the promotion, the way I rolled out this album was I sent it to people who have been supportive of me over the years. And I just sent it out for free uh, and tried to take out the aspect of it where I'm trying to sell a product or where I'm trying to make the right Instagram post that's going to get the algorithm to show it to people who I care about at just the right time for them to click that link and follow through on a listen and kind of all the mind games that surround that lifestyle. Um, I just decided I wanted to do it and I wanted to give it to people and I wanted to play some shows around my hometown for my community and the people I know. Um, and yeah, I'm just, you know, and I'm not like psyched to be working a day job, but I'm psyched not to be so thirsty every day uh, for that validation. And I think it's made the songs better. And I think it's, it's certainly made them more enjoyable to write and perform for people. As a nut, you ask questions that always get me to I love it. the longest yeah, let's continue on. Um, <laughs> It's your you, fault. Did you see, find uh, a vast difference in in the amount of listens and the amount of clicks and the amount of follow-throughs from this approach where you're like, you know what, it, I just did it for myself this time versus like previously where you really act for like, You almost honestly did a second day job trying to promote your album mm -hmm. um, or you know whatever previous album or your previous records. Was there a big difference in um, in how many you, you sold or got clicks for for the fourth album, the third album versus this one? Yeah, huge difference. Otherwise. Huge. Um, I mean, I sent this one out largely. I did like this big email campaign where I wrote and I wrote emails to people. Like I had like kind of a form to explain what this email was about. But I also made sure that they had a section where I was getting in touch with someone mm. and making it clear kind of why I was sharing it with them, why I was grateful for their support over the years. Um, and people downloaded it and people wrote me back and I had these really beautiful conversations with people who I maybe hadn't talked to for a long time or maybe who had never given me feedback uh, on my music before. And it was magic. It was, ma it was so beautiful to, to do it that way. Because looking back on all those other releases, it never lived up to my expectation. It was always pretty painful, like re releasing an album as a local band, not on a record label. It felt like every time, like maybe this is it, and then a pretty immediate rejection, a feeling of rejection. And this one just like kind of cut through all of that. And... I mean, I wasn't making money on the other ones, so I made exactly the same amount of money <laughs> putting out this one, you know? And um, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Like, the experience was one of the most... It was, hands down, like, the most beautiful uh, experience I've had as a musician over, like, 20 years. Is this why you feel you can maybe walk away from this project now? Um, I mean, I can walk away from this project pretty easily because no one cares too much. <laughs> um, because no, I feel like there's a, 
uh, this comedian Pete Holmes always had this bit about how you can't quit comedy because there's no one to go like give your notice to. You're right. Like, there's no one I can give my notice to who's gonna beg me to to write a new album or anything. But I feel satisfied, and that makes it easier to not worry about the next thing. And you know, the next thing might end up just being another Eastern Mountain Time album. Like this band might prove to be out of my element, out of my range, and a big batch of Eastern Mountain Time songs might come or they might trickle in. Uh, who knows? But certainly having a beautiful experience putting out an album uh, just makes it, it... Yeah, I'll just say, <laughs> yeah, it is freeing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I sounds a lot healthier. It, it sure feels a lot healthier. Um, yeah, and I think it means that, you know, it sounds like whatever does come for the future musically for you, it's kind of take it as it is rather than try and force it into being something that might not be. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter anyway. I mean, I, and I feel for my friends out there, you know, I have friends who are really out there trying to make it happen and are really passionate and just really want to share their songs and their music with a large audience and they want to be able to devote themselves to that. And I really feel for them, but I mean, it happens or it doesn't, you know, especially now, I think, uh, when we're all kind of on the same footing as just, we all just have the internet. Like my stuff is on the same streaming services as all the other stuff. Um, and whether or not someone hears it, uh, I mean, that'll happen or it won't. Yeah. You know, all I can really, I feel like I can Im impact whether or not my friends hear it and the people who I care about. I will say when I saw you were coming back on the show, I personally was excited, you know. Um, I think there's probably more people out there than you realize that have appreciated you some amount of time over the years. Oh, am I being too self-deprecating? I, I, I mean, <laughs> I think... I know you love it. I, well, you I think it's it. difficult to kind of gauge these things because people don't... I mean, I, I certainly haven't written to every band that I've ever listened to and gone, yeah, I really like that album. In fact, I've never <laughs> written to any band that said that. So Sure. Um, yeah, I, that's, that, and that is true. And I think... Um, that's still there's still some magic to that. There's still some magic to not knowing and whether or not something meets my like standard of success or what I had envisioned. Um, there's a chance that someone I'll never meet hears it. I've definitely sent some records to some towns I've never heard of. And I just have to wonder, like, I wonder where that person stumbled across this. But it meant enough to them to support me by buying a vinyl or a tape or something. And I think that's, uh, I love that. That's just like, that feels like the chaos of the world to me. And I'm, and I love it when it crosses my path. I'd say after you know, playing in front of live audiences for, for over a decade, at least with each amount in time that you have almost definitely touch people in you know you, someone's walked into a, one of your shows having no clue who you were and you would have made their day and you've got no idea that that ever happened or changed the trajectory of where the, the, what they were doing and um you, you'll never be able to find that out it's just something that's never almost know. definitely happened but you'll never be able to get that kind of you're never gonna get a notification going that dave saw your show 
listened to one of your songs and weeped about it later on that evening. That's not going to be something that's going to pop up on your newsfeed. It's just going to be something that probably did happen at some point. Isn't that so sweet? I feel like we get so wrapped up in the numbers of the thing. We think we're tracking it very realistically, I think, with likes or listens or streams or anything. But you just don't know that stuff. You don't know someone who just, like, heard it in a room where someone else was playing it. I love I love that. And I think that'll, uh, you know, I've, I've made some physical things. And I joke a little bit, but, like, those things might end up in the rubble. It's like kind of a Station Eleven-y thought process of just like, this might survive something uh, just as much as a Bob Dylan cassette tape. Uh, my cassette tape will be in the same trash heap. <laughs> and anyone could find it. Who knows? I might be long gone. Bob Bobby. will probably still be around. but I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, true. Knowing, knowing Bob. His 50th album or whatever he's on to now. He's probably past 50. Oh, he's in his eighties. No, I mean, oh, his uh, the amount of albums he's done. Oh, yeah, I got, I got some, I got a friend. Definitely who would past fifty. Know. I think it was past fifty when I was born. Um, sorry, we're getting sidetracked now. We're getting to Bob Dylan's <laughs> age. Uh, we'd love to hear another song. So yeah. Um. All right. So this one is another new one. It is called "Down in My Own Way," uh, and. People have been, I've gotten some really kind feedback about this song in particular that's been really special to me. And I was trying to think about what it's about. And I think I figured it out just like yesterday when I decided I was going to play it here. Uh, so this song starts with the line, I've never been to California. I have another song that says, I, that starts with the line, I was born in California. Neither one of those things are true. <laughs> um, but I lived in California in my early 20s for like two, a little more, two years. I think I round up to three just because I think it sounds cooler. I've been doing that for like 10 years. <laughs> it's like two years. <laughs> um, you're, you're only as sick as your secrets. <laughs> two years I lived out there and they were really formative years when I was like 20 through 22, 23. I did it again. Um, <laughs> and then I moved back here. Uh, so it was a short little snippet that was really important to me. I did a lot of living when I was out there and I just, I kind of realized it was so long ago that it almost doesn't matter that I was ever there for where I am in my life now. Um, so I kind of wrote this song, just what if I'd never been to, what if I'd never gone, uh, and I'd just stuck around Burlington, Vermont, kind of who would I be? Uh, and more, I mean, who knows? Uh, but this song's kind of just about that, I guess. How uh, my time in California was so important to me for so long. For years after I came back, it was such a huge part of my identity. And now, 15 years out, it just doesn't matter anymore. So this song is called Down In My Own Way. I've never been to California 
just heard about it in song songs a friend of mine once went to Georgia me I've been right here all Know the old boys in this city, and which ones you can ignore. I broke my own heart right here on this. Don't know what I did that for It's like I heard somebody say You can't change where you come from So I sat down in my own way And let the next you can't take a wrong turn if you ain't turning. You can't miss a scene you've never. There's still something here worth burning I think it's burning me It's like I heard somebody say You can't change where you come from I sat down in my own way Said if it's done I guess it's Mountain Town, Titan. Sorry, oh, oh, marbles my mouth oh, this good. evening. Oh, Charming marbles. <laughs> um, so I mean, in the twelve odd years that you have been playing, you've played all over 
New England, and although you've kind of slowed that down a little bit, you must have some favourites. I mean, outside of Vermont, are there favorite any place, shows? Favourite shows, favourite venues, places that you feel just were unexpected, unexpected in, in whatever way, even good or bad, somewhere that you might have thought was amazing and then you turned up and it turned out to be crap. Um, has you got, oh, yeah. Is there any highlights from... From your touring days, um, yeah, we were talking a little bit about uh, before we started uh, about Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which was a town that really surprised me a number of times, just for having a really supportive scene for like indie music. And the first time I've played there multiple times, and first one was at this uh, art space. It was incredible. Uh, incredible hosts um, and then played there a number of times since at this great coffee shop slash record shop and that's just a town no one's talking about Harrisburg Pennsylvania and people think it's weird that I go out of my way to play there when I can <clears throat> uh, that's also true of Buffalo New York mm. I've, I've found uh, a really beautiful supportive scene there as well and played in all kinds of different spaces. Uh, the most recent one was like the common room of a hostel. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Is there much call for hostels in Buffalo, New York? It seems a bit of an unusual. Niagara I Falls. Mean, they got, yeah, it's the Buffalo Niagara Hostel. It's, I mean, yeah, I guess. Enough I that they've got I artists like, I driving in from Vermont. To traumatic play. night. The last time I went to Buffalo... <clears throat> Uh, I was opening for this guy named Simon Joyner, who I really like. He's been a singer-songwriter uh, of note for 30 years now. He's from Omaha, Nebraska. But I went out there. I got offered to open up for him, and I just did a trip out and back with uh, my partner and a bandmate at the time. It was like eight hours. So eight hours there, play the show, drive back. But I wanted to play a show with this guy. And we uh, we stayed at the hostel, and... It wasn't staying at a hostel is rough. I hadn't done it since my like early twenties, late teens. I used to do it in like Montreal mm -hmm. when I was young, and it was so exciting. <laughs> it's Did not exciting whole, anymore. Uh, you know, staying with eight other people in a in a room kind of you thing. You got eight people. One of them is gonna snore. Oh, one yeah. of them is gonna be a chainsaw. And the worst part, the person, it was the guy I brought. It was my <laughs> it was my guitar player, <laughs> and I felt so bad. I had to like I was we were all up all night, and I was just like, I, I'm sorry about it. I don't know. Worst one I ever did was uh, uh, in Australia. I was rapidly running out of money, and I stayed in a 30-bedroom dorm. Oh, so a 30-bed dorm. It was insane. But no, someone that was sounds like an in. army field hospital it to me. It kind of was. Plastic, uh, plastic mattresses, because oh, they must have gross. had enough people throw up and whatnot on them. And uh, Yeah, there's always someone snoring, other people doing other things. Uh, I was coming so, in every five minutes. I was so misled. My first hostel experience was in, in Montreal when I was like 18. And it was in like the old part of town. And we woke up in the morning and there was like a fresh baguette and Nutella and all these very charming international travelers. And I was like, oh, I can't believe it. This is what hostels are. What, like, what a delight. And that's not what hostels are. I mean, it's, I would say... I guess there are, they can be all kinds bag. of things. There's everything from, from your delightful baguettes and... French treats to uh, to army emergency cots. They don't have the hostel here in Burlington anymore, do they? I, I believe they do. Is I it still there on Main Street? I had a friend that stayed there last week for our engagement party. 
Was, oh. is that right? I think. Are, are we at the part of the show where we talk about your engagement now? Uh oh, maybe. Uh, Can well, we? I, this is this is new to Annie, but our friend Farron stayed at a hostel when she she came to our engagement party last week, last two weekends ago. You had someone travel for an engagement party. We had a few people travel for an engagement party, and they're gonna have actually. to do it all again. They have to do it all again, yeah. Well, that's very yeah, selfish of, of you both. So, some of them are gonna be traveling from England for our actual our actual wedding. Oh, uh, so you're you're doing it oh, we're here? Getting, we're getting married in uh, just outside Montreal at a friend's farm. Love that. Yeah. I got married at a friend's farm uh, on October 1st here in the Northeast Kingdom. Last October 1st? This last October oh, 1st. congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations Jeez, to you as well. Much. I support getting married at a friend's farm. It's Everyone cheap. who gets a venue <laughs> seems so miserable. Well, uh, Annie is a wedding photographer, so she is she has toured every single Vermont venue there is. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Is that... She's got some people on her... Wanna, on her... Shit, on her uh, now I want to interview you. Please don't get married in that venue list, uh, which I won't mention here because she wants to keep her business, but yeah. <laughs> is there any stress to, like, having to hand over the duty of wedding photography to another person for your wedding? Is that is there someone you trust? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Friend. Are they a listener? Uh, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm so excited for I you both. <laughs> I love this. This is what I just, I enjoy. I just I want think, to have a think... podcast. So any, like anything <laughs> like this, I just try to steer it this way. I need to be mentioned on this, on this show a few times, but I don't think anyone's ever asked her a direct question. So this is, this is <laughs> yeah, fun. Maybe <laughs> I see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, well, unfortunately, uh, we've actually not got too much time left, but we would like to hear one last song if you've got anything up your sleeve. Yeah, I can, I can do that. I didn't plan one, but I'm, I'm going to wing one. I, I'm going to try to do, this is another new one. This, this will be, uh... This is the last, the closing song on More Buses and Trains, which I don't play live too often because it's just too darn tender uh it's we a, love song. a tender song especially to close out with people too, people, too many people do for, try and end with like a crescendo or a flourish and i think sometimes we just need to calm oh, it gosh. down we all need to to you know we accelerate as we end the show yeah we all need to be grateful that uh someone in this world is taking care of me <laughs> uh, and that person is my incredible partner uh, and I wrote her this song for our fifth anniversary we're coming up on our seventh now so it was about two years ago I got a little cheesy with it the fifth anniversary is the wood anniversary mm. I guess so this song is called wood but uh, you know different spelling um, I'm going to do my best. In the house that we sleep 
other ones do Would you whisper my name once Dream like Thank you so much for having me. I love it here. I love you all so much. Thank you for creating this space. Yeah. This is this is that magic where I don't do all the things that I used to do. This is something I want to do, and I really appreciate y'all making it happen. Well, thank you. Without people like you, this would not be very much at all in terms of the show. So we really Thanks. appreciate you coming in and uh, love to see what this next project has to hold and please come in when that comes about and if it doesn't come in anyway and <laughs> show us off your new uh, the sixth album from Mr. Mountain Time you got it you know I will <laughs> alright well that's all we've got time for this evening uh, next week we've got Obi the Voice God coming in um, so looking forward to that one but for now this has been WOMMLP operating at Burlington Vermont 105.9 The Radiator it's been The Rocket Shop I've been your host Tom Proxer and good night <laughs> Yeah. It was such a lovely Thanks, guest.